0: By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter.
1: Welcome to this bonus Monday edition of the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay. Back in January, I interviewed American journalist Jesse Single about his controversial and authoritative Atlantic Magazine article entitled, When Children Say They're Transgender. In that interview, we discussed the substance of Jesse's article, but also some of the blowback he's received from critics who took issue with his approach. But it turns out that Jesse has received more online abuse than he led on at the time. Last week, in a new article posted to his own website, Jesse describes how a campaign of character assassination was launched against him, with web trolls claiming falsely that Jesse was harassing trans women with direct messages. What's more shocking is that this campaign against Jesse was led, in part, by a well-known journalist for Slate.com, Nicole Cliff. And what's more, this isn't the only time that Cliff has used Twitter to launch bizarre, unsubstantiated, or even plain out false claims about public figures. In recent days, she subjected actor Jeff Goldblum to the same treatment, tantalizing her followers with vague claims of sexual misconduct, claims that, as of this recording, she has yet to explain. Our Quillette podcast usually is released at the end of each week, but the chance to speak with Jesse about all this was too good to pass up. So, please enjoy this short bonus version of the Quillette podcast featuring excerpts of my recent conversation with Jesse Single. Jesse, I think everybody knows who Jeff Goldblum is. Who is Nicole Cliff?
2: Nicole Cliff is one of the Parenting Advice columnists at Slade, and she's a very successful freelance writer and newsletter author. I think she has one of the, the top newsletters on Substack, where, where I have a newsletter too. She's just sort of a very, um, you know, beloved figure because she has like, a very engaging, voicey style of writing. Oh, she also ran The Toast, which was like a really popular comedy website.
1: In the age of Me Too, it's not uncommon... Unfortunately, to learn about famous people, famous men in particular, acting in a horrible way. This case involving Jeff Goldblum is a little weird. It's not clear there's a case at all, in fact. Have we learned what these allegations of allegations, which is kind of what Nicole Cliff is offering us, have we learned if there's any substance to it, or even if those allegations actually exist at all?
2: No. One of my problems with Cliff's approach is she... Tweeted repeatedly about how there's a rumor network and he's a a whisper network and Goldblum's a bad guy and there she said she got all these emails from women with stories about him and all that might be true. There are definitely situations where the whisper networks are important. I don't I don't think we should expect some non-famous woman victimized by celebrity to come forward under a real name. But I think that's what journalism's for. And I think if you want to investigate these claims, you should investigate them rather than immediately blast out to you know, I think she has 150,000 Twitter followers, that you're sure this guy did something bad, which uh, you can sort of watch it unfold on Twitter. Immediately, all these people who are fans of Goldblum just became convinced he'd done something wrong, and no one can point to exactly what he's accused of having done. So I I just, I want to strike a balance here, where my, my gripe is not the idea of a whisper network, or the idea of, you know, in some cases, reporting on half-formed allegations, if you've actually confirmed them. My problem is just the way she did it.
1: One strange thing about Nicole Cliff's tweets about Jeff Goldblum is that there was this sort of jaunty tone, even as she was suggesting that there were numerous sources alleging horrible behavior on Jeff Goldblum's part. Is it possible this whole thing was kind of performance art and it wasn't even meant to be taken seriously?
2: I think she thinks she's providing information about a real thing, but I agree, like, in this and other instances, in, including my own, where she's accused people of stuff, there's this very sort of flippant, like you said, like it's this fun middle school gossip, and if you've got a big platform and you say this stuff about people, they're going to believe it. Like, it, it, you really are potentially harming someone's reputation. And I recognize... It sounds a little bit silly in the context of Jeff Goldblum, because Jeff Goldblum's career will not be toppled because of some Nicole Cliff tweets. But again, my my own experiences with her were um, not fun. And I... Well,
1: exactly. Let's talk about that a little bit. One strange thing about your article is that it starts out about Jeff Goldblum, and then all of a sudden it backends into this crazy story about you. Now, I realize you're not quite as famous as Jeff Goldblum. How dare you, sir? <laughs> uh, tell us this story from the beginning. It, it was actually quite shocking to me.
2: Yeah, so I, I, I had a, a cover story in The Atlantic two summers ago now about the process of helping kids with gender dysphoria, what, whether they should transition, what the assessment process should look like, a lot of which is more complicated than it has been made out to be by some media outlets on both sides, to be honest. And anyone interested in that, I I really enjoyed our interview. And I thought it was one of the interviews where I could really get into the weeds of this stuff.
1: Well, yeah, that was back in January when I first spoke to you. That was way back, Quillette podcast number 10, 50 podcasts ago for us. But it was something where we talked about the actual substance of your Atlantic Magazine article. Yep, should be pointed out that Since that time, since the original publication of your article, in fact, there's been no allegations that you got anything in it wrong.
2: Yeah, I had the benefit of like incredibly thorough fact checking. There would have been errors if not for that. But uh, no, no one's highlighted errors in the piece, but the piece generated outrage. And Nicole quickly did a tweet storm where she said that I was obsessed with trans women and that she had heard from so, so many of her online trans friends. That's the uh, that's the phrase she used. So, so many. Basically, that I'd creepily tried to meet them. That I'd try to meet them for coffee or for lunch. And, you know, just disgusting behavior that should get a journalist in trouble were it ever proven to be true. The problem, as I show in, in my newsletter write-up, is A, nothing remotely like that has ever happened. And almost a year and a half later, no one's ever presented evidence it happened. And B, by the time Cliff made these accusations, ever since I'd started writing about trans issues, these weird... Accounts had popped up on social media and tried to spread all sorts of rumors about me, horrible stuff about sending pictures of my penis and harassing trans women. And it's been sort of disturbing watching it spread. And most of the time, I just haven't really done anything about it, because if it's just random small follower weirdos on Twitter, there's not much you can do. You, you might make the situation worse by drawing attention to it. But it's spread. And whoever is behind this has been successful getting it to spread. And cliff was the first like really big genuinely famous person who just treated all this as true and without uh, any attempt to reach out to me for comment any attempt to verify it she just she blasted out an incredibly damaging potentially career-ending rumor about me just like that like again like it was in a middle school lunchroom and it was i'm still absolutely infuriated by it i can't believe she did that i can't believe you know a slate journalist would do that and She's gotten in trouble for this multiple times now. There was another weird instance I don't fully understand involving (laughs) the British Royals, where she just tweeted out this long conspiracy theory, where she tweeted this 25-tweet tweet storm about the Royals and about some non-existent cheating scandal, and everyone believed it, even though she said up top, this is just my theorizing. So this isn't the first time she's just sort of tweeted wildly about other people, and she seems to sometimes retreat to the claim that she's not a journalist. I've seen her say this or write this in a newsletter like well no, if you're someone who publishes information about other people, especially in, like information other people don't have, you're a journalist. She's a journalist. She's been profiles of people for major outlets. So this whole thing has just been really demoralizing, but I it isn't sort of just about me or it's even less about Jeff Goldblum. It's about how rumors spread online and how people should exhibit just a little bit of skepticism and caution before spreading stuff like this.
1: Is there any indication that the editors or executives at Slate.com, that they've taken Nicole Cliff to task for these reckless attacks on public figures?
2: I do not know if she's a staffer there or she might be on contract. I'm not going to call her bosses over this. I It would shock the hell out of me if Slate cared that Nicole Cliff is just sort of wildly spreading rumors about me. I'm a little bit cynical about the state of journalism right now. I think it's the sort of thing where I left New York Magazine to write a book, but I'm still a contributing writer there. I would hope that, you know, if I tweeted something false about someone, I I think they'd be justified in going to New York Mag about it because there has to be some accountability. But um, no, the slate's not going to do anything about it. For all I know, you know, the higher ups at Slate believe this is true and would never work with me. That's like the, the whole point of this kind of whisper campaign is to make the target feel that way. Like, I, oh my God, what are people saying about me? Is my career in trouble? What can I do? It's like, it's a helpless feeling, but it's it's designed to do that at a certain level.
1: What's so scary about some of these libelous attacks is that there's always a slight grain of truth to it. Uh, if you're a journalist who's interviewing sources Sometimes you're taking them out to lunch or whatever, or sometimes you're in a direct message exchange with them. It could be like one or two in the morning, but I've certainly done that. And there is this kind of unspoken informational intimacy that exists when you're DMing people at all hours. Are you paranoid that like six months later, maybe on your next story, someone will look at these direct messages and say this was some kind of flirtation or whatever, is it inhibiting your reporting and source development in your forthcoming journalism?
2: Yeah, I mean, the whole point has been to make me paranoid, and it has made me a little bit paranoid. I mean, part of, so like when I reported the Atlantic story, of course, I I got lunch and I got drinks with all sorts of people. That's what you do when you're doing journalism. So when I said uh, this has never happened, I mean, it's never happened that I've like tried to meet up with someone where there wasn't a obvious uh, journalistic reason for it. And again, like, I, I don't want the takeaway from all this to be, like, poor Jesse Singer. I, I just want people to be more critical about spreading rumors and, and to understand how crazy this shit can get. But it seems like this is just, like, a way of attacking my ability to do my job and to try to get me to determine that I shouldn't write about genders for it anymore. Like you said, no one has been able to point to any problems with the actual reporting. No one's been able to point to problems with the reporting in the other article that caused outrage so it seems like if you can't attack someone on journalistic grounds spreading rumors about them is a good way to delegitimize them
1: anyone who has studied the debate over transgender issues will know that there is a certain kind of very cultish internet subcommunity on the radicalized fringes and i'm wondering Have you received this kind of harassment and hate mail? Has that come from social conservatives at all, the the sort of people who are genuine transphobes? Or has most of this come from the progressive side of the spectrum, uh, the folks who might get angry over any journalistic suggestion that an approach other than 100% affirmation should be recommended in the case of any child who presents with gender dysphoria?
2: Much more anger from the left. You know, four years ago when I was writing more about Gamergate and the alt-right, uh, the right hated me and, and some of the stuff I saw then, I couldn't have imagined it getting any worse. Just like really, some some of the similar sort of like rumor mongering, just maybe a bit less obsessive. On this particular issue, most of the heat has come from the left because I think even right-wingers who I like disagree, who I disagree with in that I'm in favor of, of childhood transition if kids are properly assessed, I think they see me as like the quote-unquote reasonable one. And because just the reporting on this issue has been so poor elsewhere, I, I feel like conservatives will sort of take what they get. But I, I do have some, um, you know, weirdly more fundamental disagreements with them than with the people on the left unhappy with my work, which is why I just... You know, when people approach me, I ask them, what do you disagree with? And and often, a lot of the time, people cannot tell me exactly what it is about my reporting they disagree with. They just sort of know they hate me, you know, because of social media.
1: Given all the harassment and unfair criticism and just general grief that you have taken over that now famous Atlantic Magazine article and other journalism on this issue, I have to ask, would you do it? All over again? If you could go back in time, would you just say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm not gonna do it.
2: I think I'd have to do it all over again. I I just think I was never gonna have like a journalistic career where people didn't get annoyed at my work. I'm just I'm drawn to sort of you know, to difficult issues and I, I think it's really important to have open conversations about exactly this sort of thing. Like there's there's millions of families around the country and millions of kids who are who are dealing with this and trying to figure out how to help their kids live authentic, healthy lives which sometimes will involve, like, serious medical treatments. If we can't have a serious conversation about when teenagers should go on medication that will be permanent, if all goes well, uh, what can we have a serious conversation about? I just I just think this stuff is too important to let the internet bullies win. You know, this stuff is annoying. And, again, like I said, it hasn't thus far really disrupted my career that I know of. And I still, you know, I'm working on two pieces now about other issues I'm very excited about. But, yeah, I ju- you can't let these people win, man. it's It's... The cliffs of the world, if if they actually controlled what we could and couldn't talk about, and if their rumor mongering were allowed to win out, we, it would just be journalism would be dead.
1: Jesse Single, thank you so much for being on the Quillette podcast. Thank you, John. Appreciate it.
0: If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette. If you haven't already, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do you like what you're hearing? Perhaps you would like to read more about the issues in today's discussion. Head to quillette.com where you'll find more content.